If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word. Turn to Romans chapter 14. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 948. Page 948. I will read Romans 14, verses 1 through 12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. But not to quarrel over opinions... One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand." One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes a day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Praise God for his breathed out word. Please be seated. Maybe multiple times a week. Maybe only one time a week. Maybe every other week. You were reminded that we have one life to live. We have one life to live. That is it. God's Word teaches us His truth, and our life experience confirms His truth. The Apostle Paul began his letter to those in Rome by using the words, a slave of Christ Jesus, called and set apart. In Romans 12, he appealed to those in Rome, based upon the mercies of God, to present your whole self as a living sacrifice, and the words are holy and acceptable to God. Now, assuming that you are saved this morning, you have experienced conviction of your sins, and you have repented before a holy God, you have trusted in Christ alone for your salvation, for who He is, His life, His work on the cross, your new life has begun. And if we are going to not waste that new life, if we are going to abandon foolish living, that means you and I are to live to the Lord. If you're here and maybe you think that following Jesus is for the weak-minded, or you can just say with your lips, I believe, and then with your life, live a different way. And you think, when I die, I will just talk to God. I beg of you to listen today, for today is a warning for you. 
If you are not in a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ right now, right now you stand condemned before the Lord. Your present destination right now is eternal torment in hell, forever under God's righteous wrath. Maybe perhaps you're here what some might be called a carnal Christian. You may say, I believe, but there is no fruit in your life that you actually believe what you say you believe. In all honesty, people know that you say one thing and you live another way. Today is a warning for you because Scripture says faith without works is dead. Listen to these words from James chapter 4. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. Our life is but a mist. It is a vapor. And we know our life, our fog, it doesn't last. Our youth, our youth is fleeting. Hebrews 9, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as a high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that it comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. It is appointed for all men by God to die, and after this comes judgment. We have one life to live, and God has instructed his children how to live. It has been said in the Christian life that there is a There is one large coin with two sides. And with two sides, it hurts the sanctification of believers. It wounds and damages biblical unity. On one side of that coin, you have antinomianism. That our behavior in this life, it has nothing to do with our faith. Sure, I believe in Christ, but I can live how I want to live. Because I have grace, I can sin all the more. I don't need God's law because God is love. What great damage that causes. The other side of that coin is legalism. That before God, our obedience to the law grants favor. I have done this. I am good. The words, I do this. I'm okay. If you don't do this, you're not okay. R.C. Sproul used these words, legalism makes minor manners the test of true spirituality. There are hills to die on, but legalism 
makes many non-issues a slaughterhouse. It piles on man's opinions, ignoring the Word of God and ignoring the grace of God. Both sides of this destructive coin significantly damage the church. Let us keep this coin in mind as we look at our text this morning, because in these words, we find words concerning Christian liberty and Christian unity. There are real threats to unity, but quarreling over opinions with one who is weak in faith, that should not be happening in the Lord's church. The overall context of today's verses are this, we owe love to all. Our doctrine and our living is to be wrapped in godly, biblical love, which means as God's children, we need to know what that godly, biblical love is. Look at Romans 14, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despises the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So here's the starting point that Paul begins with. The brother or sister in Christ who is weak, welcome him or her. It's that simple. You welcome them. Welcome, that's willing acceptance or receiving of another. If one comes into the flock who gives lip service to salvation, acknowledges repentance and faith, but happens to be weak, but they are a genuine brother or sister in Christ, we are to welcome them. Who is the weak brother or sister? Literally the one without strength, the one specifically who cannot let go of something like past religious rituals or ceremonies or one who just doesn't understand something clearly. It's like a new believer. There are certain things in the life of a new believer I would not expect them to understand, to explain, to be able to tell me definitions of that I couldn't do as a new believer. For the Jews... It could have been old rites and prohibitions. It could have been dietary laws. For the Gentiles, it, it could have been pagan rituals, like food offered to idols. I cannot eat that. Today, someone may come into the church who thinks differently because they are spiritually young. Or perhaps they haven't fed on the Word of God as much as you. Or maybe they have been taught something not knowing the complete, total truth. And we as a church must not sin and judge, but welcome them. Maybe a person has been taught their whole life something, believing it to be true, but it's not. And they just need someone to sit with them and help them understand their misunderstanding. This happened to me often in college. I, have been, I grew up in an amazing church. And then I go to college and there, I was challenged in some areas of my thinking. And I said, well, I've always been taught this, but the Bible says this. One believes he can eat anything. While the weak person might say, I can only eat vegetables. Well, what do we do as a church? We are to welcome the weak Christian. The strong are to welcome the weak, not be impatient with them. 
We don't quarrel over opinions, but we are charitable and patient. And it seems today on almost every single front, the church has forgotten this. Just as gentleness is needed with a child, we need to be gentle and exercise spiritual restraint with those who are spiritually weak. For the spiritually strong in this room, your natural, your natural state is to be very impatient with those who are spiritually weak. For example, when a pastor looks out over the flock, he desires to see fully grown, mature Christians. He desires to look out upon everybody and be like, man, I can tell you where everyone is growing right now. I can tell you what their prayer life is like. I can tell you how they're serving, how they're using their gifts. You want to see everyone mature. That's not always the case. You see mature Christians and you see immature Christians and you see times of struggle and difficulty and pain and heartache. The pastor's job is not to yell at them and say, grow up already, but to patiently preach the word of God. Because God's word is sufficient to grow them. And you pray for them and you love them. As a church, we must be patient with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Or have you forgotten how patient God is with you? We need wisdom on when to talk. We need wisdom on when to be patient, when to keep silent. We need wisdom on when to just sit and listen and learn. We need wisdom on on what to say as much as when to say it. We need to know the truth and we need to speak the truth. Amen. But we don't need to gather together with a weak brother and sister and quarrel over opinions. We have enough of that happening in coffee shops and churches. And they call it ministry. If one believes they should not eat meat and only vegetables, okay. If one believes it's okay to eat meat, okay. But these decisions do not determine their salvation or their entrance into the church, because we are to welcome them. Look at verse 3. It says, Let the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. If you eat, don't despise the one who doesn't. If you abstain, don't pass judgment on the one who eats. Why? Because God has welcomed them. We must not pass judgment on opinions when God has welcomed him or her. The weaker brother or sister is still a brother or sister in Christ. The Lord has purchased him or her. They are family. I mean, you will spend forever with them in heaven. Now, Paul is is, he's not speaking to differences of opinion when it comes to foundational truths here, but to areas of indifference, areas that should not divide. Look at verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So if the Lord accepts him or her, so is the church to accept him or her. 
We are not to deny what God has welcomed. God's children are not to take away from his word. We got this. But we also are not to add to it. Throwing on extra weight and sin that clings so closely in which we say, I know this is what God's word says, but we need to have these extra hoops. No. We are not the judge. Christ is. If he has welcomed him or her, we are to do the same. He is our master. We are his slaves. We need to remember our proper place. We are his bride. He is our groom. Verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another seems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes a day observes in honor to the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor to the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Now, whether it's concerning a specific day to observe, or the one who eats, or the one who abstains, each person should be fully convinced in his own mind. I am boggled by the fact that Paul said this. You wouldn't think that would be the way to unity. Hey, you need to be convinced in your own mind. These words are very surprising for unity's sake because Paul is saying, I want you to have your own conviction. Have your own mind made up. Be fully convinced in your mind. Be persuaded by what you believe. Have your own conviction. And please, 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 this is a warning for us. Make sure your conviction comes from God's word and not your tradition or heritage. It's God's word. That's where you find your conviction. If you eat, honor the Lord. If you abstain, honor the Lord. The church should not allow the weaker brother or sister to control the church, but the church should also give great consideration to the weaker brother or sister. You should have your own conviction, but don't push it onto others and debate with the weaker brother or sister concerning non-essentials. Welcome them. And whatever we do, we are to honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your convictions. If you are weaker, you need the body of Christ. You need to abide in the Word of God. You need to grow up spiritually. If you're weaker, you need to ask questions and ask someone to pour into your life. If you are not the weaker brother or sister in Christ in a certain area, which, by the way, please note those words, in a certain area. Every person in this room has areas of weakness and immaturity. I do. You do. We are weak in something. In a certain area, though, if you're not the weaker brother or sister, we are to consider the one who is and remember that the Lord has welcomed them. If you're spiritually strong, you have an obligation to disciple those who are spiritually weak. Look at verse 7. None of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. It makes perfect sense. We're not living for ourselves, we're living for the Lord. We're not dying for ourselves, we're dying unto the Lord. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die unto the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. 
Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So we are to live to the Lord and we are to die to the Lord. The believer's hope in life and death is that of the Lord. We live to the Lord, we die to the Lord. Are you catching this? Like over and over, Paul is saying, we have life and we have death. We have life and we have death. Life and death, it covers everything. You live to the Lord. Blade R.C. Sproul, over and over and over again in his church, said the words, Coram Deo, before the face of God, before the face of God, before the face of God. That's what you're doing. You're living before the face of God. You either serve the Lord with your life or you waste it. So the so what here is that your life, my life, it is not our own. You've been bought with a price, so glorify God with your life. 1 Corinthians 6, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So Jesus Christ, he is our justification, or we are not saved. Christ came to this earth, he was tempted as we are, yet Christ was without sin. He lived a perfect life, he laid down his life on the cross, he was crucified, he died, and he rose from the dead. Christ ascended into heaven, and he will return to judge the world, and until then, he is interceding for his children. He is Lord both of the dead and he is Lord of the living. Let us not pass judgment on the weaker brother or sister. Let us not despise or detest our brother or sister in Christ because they are in Christ. In these verses at this time, those in Rome, they needed to hear that the kingdom of God, they needed to hear that Christianity is not about the one who eats or the one who abstains, nor is it about this day, nor is it about that day. Both the church in Rome and here at Foundation Baptist Church, we need to remember that who God welcomes, we welcome. We must not allow the non-essentials to divide. The non-essentials should also not be what we most talk about. People build ministries on non-essentials that go nowhere. We must not quarrel with those who's weak in faith over opinions. With the weak, we keep the essentials the main thing, teaching them and walking with them. Now, Don't misunderstand me. Non-essentials are important. But let's make our talk and our main focus upon the essentials. Jesus Christ is God, not a created being. We just lost 50% of the planet. Justification, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. There is only one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. Repentance of sins and belief in Christ alone, they are necessary for salvation. The Holy Scriptures are God-breathed. They are inerrant, they are infallible, and they are sufficient. We just lost another 25%. The virgin birth, perfect life, sacrificial death, the glorious resurrection of Christ, these things are essential. 
the all-sufficient penal substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. We just lost a whole bunch. The Trinity. God in three persons, one essence. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The truth of heaven, the truth of hell, the truth of the coming judgment for all. Essentials are important. We just finished walking through Galatians in Sunday school. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some of you who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. This attack is present in the Dallas-Fort Worth and Euless area. There are different gospels being proclaimed this morning. There are different gospels being believed. 1 Corinthians 15 your verses for memorizing this year as a church. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you are being saved, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word of God I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas in the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are alive, though some have fallen asleep. These things are essential. But when it comes to non-essentials, we can get along with brothers and sisters in Christ without agreeing on every fine point. Matter of truth is, if I were to sit down with each of you in this room for 30 minutes... We're going to disagree on something. Our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, they view baptism differently. But we both agree that baptism is not salvific. We both agree that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. With the majority of Lutherans and Presbyterians concerning how one is saved, we agree. Your desire is the same as the pastors of this church, I hope. I hope that you want to be known as a faithful church that is faithful to God according to his holy word. I hope that you want to be a church that has right doctrine and right living. A local body that is focused on loving one another. Members who care more about what they are known for and what they believe and not known and remembered for what they are against. A loving church that cares for one another, proclaims the gospel, takes great seriousness and reverence when it comes to who God is and His commands and baptism and Lord's Supper. A church who gives of themselves fully to the things of God. Concerned for lost souls, not just with their words, but also with their life because there's fruit. A church that seeks with every breath to glorify God in all things and just not memorize a catechism. Verse 11, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of God to himself. Paul is quoting Isaiah 45 here. He, in Isaiah 45, it's telling of God's future judgment. Let me read verses 21 through 23 for context. 
It says, declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, Yahweh? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God. There is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. And then in Philippians we find the words of Paul in Philippians 2. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names. So the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So with the Old Testament and the New Testament verses we just looked at, it is clear, Jesus is God and Lord of all. Every knee will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and it will be to the glory of God the Father. This will happen. Your knee will bow. Your tongue will confess. Let us cherish these wonderful words as a church. This is a promise. We all live to the Lord if we are saved. The weak live to the Lord and the strong live to the Lord. Let us not waste it battling trivial things. The one who is weak in faith, we welcome them. We don't quarrel over our opinions. That's what's happening so much. We are raising our opinions above that of Scripture because we talk about it and think about it more than we do the Word of God. You are not God. I am not God. We are not the ones whose knees will bow before You are not the judge. I am not the judge. Therefore, your faith, my faith, is weak in some area. We are to humble ourselves before the Lord and live unto the Lord. We walk with the weak brother or sister in Christ. We remember our own faults and how patient God is with us. Let's just be honest. Let's remember how patient God is with us right now, today. And let's all remember that we ourselves will give an account to God. The love of God is to surround every area of our born-again life. Those who are young in the faith, they need to be cared for with great gentleness like the Lord cares for us. Building up the body of Christ in love, that is to be our theme. Not quarreling over opinions. There does not need to be another church that just quarrels over opinions for the world to see. So I ask you this question. 
Which person are you when it comes to dealing with those who are weaker in the faith? Are you always thinking about, how does this benefit me? Is this for me? I don't like this. Are you quick to give your opinion? Are you quick to pray? Do you walk with brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you patient with them? Are you gentle with them? Or do you rather want to sit down, I want to debate, and I want to tell you why you're wrong, as if you are the judge? Do you welcome or you despise and pass judgment? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account of our life. We who have been born again have been purchased by Christ. We're not our own, which means we don't come to the table and tell God how we are to live. We come to the table and God says, this is how you live. You are mine. We glorify Him in all things. And this includes loving the weaker brother or sister in Christ. And maybe you're saying, well, I really don't know where people are weaker or stronger in the faith. May that serve as a wake-up call that you probably don't have strong enough relationships with those in the church. These verses instruct us concerning life with the body of Christ. They speak of that of unity, that of patience, that of gentleness, And these verses are required of us if we are to live to the Lord. I don't know about you, but as I was pondering all these verses this past week, I just don't want to live another day. I want to live unto the Lord. I want to glorify the Lord with all things. I want to have meaningful conversations. I want to have probing questions ask of me. I want to ask probing questions, not to judge, but to encourage and to build up the body of Christ. I want to focus upon what God has called me to focus upon and start to purge those things in which I do not need. These verses are required of us if we are to live to the Lord. Father, I thank you for your holy word. How beautiful it is to hear the words. We have all stumbled in many ways. You have pointed out ways in which we have stumbled this past week. We have failed. We have been too high thinking of ourselves and too low thinking of you. We remember times in which we have not considered others more important than us. We have wanted to fight and argue and debate over opinions when we ourselves aren't even doing the basics well. Praise God there is forgiveness found in Christ. Praise God we don't have a mediator who sleeps and slumbers, but a God who says, come to me. Never stop coming to me. Pray without ceasing, I am here. How blessed we are, not just to have salvation, but to have your word and to know who you are and to to bathe in who you are, to remind ourselves of your greatness, your attributes, your holiness. And you have called us as a church 
to bathe our doctrine and to bathe our life in your love. So we ask for help. Give us wisdom. Show us what it is to be patient with others. Show us how to be gentle as you are gentle with us. Give us perseverance to walk the mile and the extra mile and the extra mile with brothers and sisters in Christ whom you have welcomed. Father, and for those that are concerned right now about the coming judgment, Lord, convict them of their sin. Draw them to you. Allow us the great privilege of walking with a brother or sister who is young in their faith, pointing them to you with all diligence. Lord, for the hurting this morning, would you comfort them? Would you use this body to encourage and love them? Would you allow this week, if we have a week, to not be just another week that's lived, but we live unto you. We live for you. When we waste minutes, Spirit, convict us. May we repent and live for you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.